there was this lady who was in Europe who was swimming in a swimming pool, but apparently in the wrong part of the swimming pool where the swimming squad was supposed to be. She'd got found her way across the ropes or what have you into the wrong lane, and this infuriated the swimming uh, attendant there or the lifeguard on duty, and he went and somehow got her out of the water and then apparently just took her out of the swimming pool complex and told her in very colourful language that she'd done a, a very wrong thing. He was later to learn, of course, that it was Princess Diana that he was actually speaking to. And uh, <laughs> was very much, was he? I think he was on the verge of losing his job. He may very well have lost his job. But the point is, is that he was someone who misunderstood who he was dealing with. Now, this is something that we have been thinking about before. We have been thinking about cases of mistaken identity. And in this particular situation, we see the guards really having a mistaken understanding of who they were mocking, who they were actually dealing with. And it, consequently, it's a very sad situation that we do see that unfolds. So all in the context of mockery. Jesus was mocked, and the part of that mockery was that he was hurt, he was humiliated, and these things happened to him by people who got things very wrong. So I just wish to work through each of those points with us today. So the first one is that Jesus was hurt. Now, we know to this point that Jesus has been effectively found guilty by the Sanhedrin, by the religious authorities. He's been found guilty now by Pilate, and he has been sentenced by Pilate to be flogged and to be crucified. And we know that from verse 15, the immediately preceding verse to the portion of scripture that we consider today. Well, there we go. The first thing, he was flogged. Now, last time I didn't go into great detail in terms of what that flogging entailed, and nor do I intend to today. I think that over the course of time, we've heard some fairly graphic descriptions of just what that actually involved. But it was the most serious form of flogging that did exist. And Jesus would have been incredibly weakened by that. It's apparently the case that some people would not even be able to survive that particular experience. So that alone would be sufficient for us to be able to satisfy the point that Jesus Christ was in fact hurt. We don't really need much more evidence than that. But in this particular passage, what we do see is in verses 16 and 17, something additional, if you'd care to follow. The soldiers led Jesus away into the palace, that is the praetorium, and called together the whole company of soldiers. They put a purple robe on him, then twisted together a crown of thorns and set it on him. And we'll pause there. So, a crown of thorns was placed also upon Jesus. Well, I like putting my Akubra hat on. It's rather nice. It's got a leather band inside. It's really quite comfortable. The person who fitted me for the hat made it feel really quite nice. And it's a great comfort to, to wear. I also have a hat at home, which is really a lot smaller. It's shrunk. You know those people who drive around with 
hats on the back part of their vehicle or it's exposed to a lot of sunlight, the back windscreen if they've got a sedan, well, of course, that shrinks hats and it makes them small. It's harder to put on. You get a headache. Okay, <laughs> that's, that's, all, that's all the hat problem that I have. Jesus was wearing a crown of thorns. Now, we're not exactly sure what that crown of thorns was made of. My suspicion is that it was just the worst sort of thorn that you really wouldn't want to have upon your head. There are some people who say, well, actually, the point was not pain, but it was just humiliation, and so it may not have been such a big ordeal for him to have that crown of thorns upon his head. But I think most likely, in keeping with the fact that he's about to be crucified, that pain really was not an issue for those people who were uh, overseeing everything that was to do with his sentence. He had this crown of thorns upon him after having been flogged. He must have been a terrible, terrible picture of just pain and suffering. But what we do know is that it goes on further in verses 18 and at least the first part of 19. And they began to call out, that is the soldiers, to him, Hail, King of the Jews. Again and again they struck him on the head with a staff and spit on him. That's how they've put it in this translation. But if you prefer a different reading, it could be again and again they were striking him on the head with a staff and spitting on him. I perhaps prefer that way just in terms of English. But you get the point. What we see there in verse 19, again and again, they struck him on the head with a staff. That must just have been absolutely terrible to have that on top of the crown of thorns and the flogging, to be hit on the head like he was. Jesus Christ was being mocked by these soldiers and he was definitely someone who was mocked in the sense that he was hurt. Have you been mocked before? We've probably been mocked in the last week, but by our family or by our friends in a very light-hearted way. We definitely were not hurt, or it's very unlikely that we were hurt. But Jesus was someone who was mocked, and it really did hurt. So that is the first point, I think, that we see in this passage. The second one is that Jesus was humiliated. So this worked simultaneously or in parallel with the physical harm that was occurring. What we know, I think, already from what we've read in verse 17 is that he was given a purple robe that was placed upon him that was to symbolize royalty. Purple was a very rare color. Jean, I see you're wearing purple today. How wonderful. It's, it's a royal color. Is it blue? It looks purple to me from here anyway. But if it were purple, it would be, of course, a colour that would symbolise royalty. And it still does to this day. Although we can quite easily just go down to Big W or one of the fanciest shops around town and pick up an item that is purple, and it may have nothing to do with it being royalty. But this was placed upon Jesus because they were mocking him because he was... Uh, had said, he had at least admitted to the fact that he is the king of the Jews. Uh, he is the Christ, the anointed king that God had sent. And they were, of course, not serious about what they were doing. So he was humiliated by that. 
We also know that he was humiliated again by having a crown, that crown of thorns that we had spoken about. Not only was that painful, but it was actually a form of humiliation. He was referred to in verse 18, Hail, King of the Jews, which is an expression that might have been used towards Caesar, the emperor, not Hail, King of the Jews, but Hail, Caesar. So they, are, of course, were taking that and saying, Hail, King of the Jews, pretending that he was this high and mighty king. In verse 19, he was spat upon. Has anyone ever spat upon you? It's a terrible notion, although I don't know why we really get all that concerned about it, because it's just some saliva, some sort of water with some sort of other things added in, which are not so nice. But really, on the scheme, the scale of things, it's really not that bad. However, it's repulsive to us. And of course, it was repulsive to, to Jesus. So I haven't included that under the hurting component, but definitely under the idea of the humiliation that he was experiencing. It's interesting that that does fulfill scripture from Isaiah in the Old Testament, where we read in Isaiah chapter 50, verse 6 of the suffering servant, I offered my back to those who beat me, my cheeks to those who pulled out my beard. I did not hide my face from mocking and spitting. So there Isaiah prophesies what would happen to this suffering servant and we see that being fulfilled in this particular passage. It goes on. In verse 19, we know that they knelt down in homage. They paid homage to him. He was being utterly humiliated. And then we read, if you'd care to follow, in verse 20, and when they had mocked him, they took off the purple robe and put his own clothes on him. Then they led him out to crucify him. Now, in crucifixion, generally, the crucifixion was taken care of, I think, by five people. There was a centurion, and then there were four soldiers that were involved in normal, uh, normal crucifixions. I've no reason to think that it would have been any different. But perhaps different to Jesus' crucifixion is that after this form of flogging and all of these sorts of things they would have been cast out naked. It was perhaps a concession by these Roman soldiers to actually enable Jesus to wear clothes because of Jewish sensibilities, Jewish concerns about being naked. And so, so as to not cause offence to the people that they were ruling over, they did make that concession. However, it was really not that much less humiliating because he'd gone from wearing a purple robe to going back to whatever his dress was, which wouldn't have been as regal. So Jesus is someone who was hurt and he was humiliated. And the third point is by people who got things very wrong. Can you just see how blatantly wrong these soldiers were? That pool attendant got things wrong regarding the person that he was addressing. Now, I suppose Princess Diana shouldn't have been swimming in the wrong section of the, of the pool. But perhaps the way that he addressed her might not have been appropriate. In fact, it probably was inappropriate in terms of the way he should address anyone. But in this particular situation, we see mockery that occurs 
and they made a very big mistake. So there shouldn't be any doubt that there was mocking going on. But in terms of trying to understand more deeply what this actual mocking means, the book of Psalms can be very helpful in two respects. And this is where you just need to pay a little bit of attention. Up to this point, understanding mockery has not been that complicated. And of course, we have seen the evidence there amply. This is a little bit more complicated. We are now thinking about the book of Psalms. And the book of Psalms helps us to understand what's going on here. First of all, the book of Psalms tells us this, that mockery shows the sinfulness of humanity. In the Psalms, where there is mockery, what we see is the sinfulness of humanity. And we have a good example of that already from the Bible reading that Daryl brought to us. And that is from Psalm 1, verses 1 to 2. The psalmist says, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his law day and night. So in that particular psalm, we do see that sinfulness is, or sinful humanity, is associated with mocking. And so this point from the Psalms, mockery shows the sinfulness of humanity, well, that is seen in what we're considering in Mark 15, in our passage today, isn't it? Mockery shows the sinfulness of humanity. There can't be any doubt that those soldiers were acting sinfully in the broad scheme of things. Their mockery showed the sinfulness of humanity. That's the first thing. The second thing that the book of Psalms helps us in, in terms of understanding what is going on here, is that mockery suffered by the righteous can be viewed as the wrath of God. So in the book of Psalms, where there is mockery of someone who is considered righteous, or perhaps the righteous one, the anointed one, which is language from the Psalms, that can be considered to be the wrath of God coming upon them. That's what we see in the Psalms. And we see that in one particular example. We see that in Psalm 89, verse 38, where we read this, But you have rejected, you have spurned or mocked, you have been very angry with your anointed one. So there is a correlation or a close connection between the righteous one and the mockery that they receive with the wrath of God coming upon them. That anointed one is described as having the anger of God upon them. So in this book of Psalms, we see the idea, first of all, that mockery shows the sinfulness of humanity, and we see that mockery suffered by the righteous can be viewed as the wrath of God. And that second one is true in our passage today again. Mockery suffered by the righteous, that is Jesus, can be viewed as the wrath of God. Jesus, when he was being mocked, was not just being mocked, he was experiencing the wrath of God. That's the point. Now, I don't know you to be people who are mocking Jesus. 
but I do know that it wouldn't take um, too long for us to find some people who would be prepared to mock Jesus, not physically or even in his presence, but in the things that they do say. They would, of course, be acting sinfully. They would be showing the sinfulness of humanity. But we are people, even though we might not mock Jesus, who are indicted in the sinfulness of humanity all the same. We are all indicted for our sinfulness. We have all incurred guilt because of things that we have done wrong and are under the threat of God's judgment. So, we are a sinful humanity that are under the threat of God's judgment. Humanity deserves God's wrath. But this is where the good news of the gospel comes in. The good news of the gospel is that God's wrath has fallen on Jesus at the cross, and I suppose in the lead up to the cross with the flogging and the mocking that is occurring. The good news of the gospel is that God's wrath has fallen on Jesus at the cross, setting us free when we put our trust in him. So this is so important for us to understand. We are not people who necessarily will be mocking Jesus, but we are part of sinful mankind. We deserve God's wrath, but Jesus is the one who took the wrath of God in our place so that we could be set free. So in that scene, the mockers deserve the wrath of God, but what we see is that Jesus was receiving the wrath of God. We, in our times, we deserve the wrath of God. Okay, We are sinful for whatever reason. But Jesus, on that cross, took the wrath of God so that we could be set free. That is the gospel. Keith Getty and Stuart Townend, who are uh, wonderful songwriters, and one, we're going to sing their song shortly, In Christ Alone. Have a read of these words. Scorned by the ones he came to say, that's speaking of Jesus, till on that cross, as Jesus died, the wrath of God was satisfied for every sin on him was laid. That is just a portion of what we're going to sing. But he was scorned by the ones he came to save, till on that cross, as Jesus died, the wrath of God was satisfied, for every sin on him was laid. And that is just tremendous news. God's wrath has been satisfied because of what Christ Jesus has done for us. Well, Jesus' prediction was coming true. Um, we know that from Mark chapter 10, verse 34, that he said that he would be mocked, that he would be spat upon, that he would be flogged, and he, will be, he would be killed. We've seen at least three of those fulfilled, and next week we will think about the crucifixion, where we will see that fourth component coming to fruition. So very sadly, on one hand, but so very wonderfully for us, because it means the wrath of God was satisfied and we are set free.